You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, please remember to follow Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. And of course, I am your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy, Hickman, coming to you uh, on this, you know, marvelous Monday. We're back in action for another week of Talking Texans, Talking Sports. And just, you know, really digesting what we can expect uh, during this offseason and for the upcoming season. Cody, I'm excited for the uh, discussion we have ready for today. And also, you know, the question you posed on uh, Friday's show, the Mount Rushmore of Houston sports really got a very good interaction right on Twitter. And uh, that was also awesome and fun. So we're going we're going to uh, hop into that as well. And I can't wait. Hey, everybody had their own, you know, Mount Rushmore. I thought the funny thing about it was the consensus was Hakeem Olajuwon was in there. And then it started to get a little funny just seeing uh, which more recent player compared to an old player uh, was going to be the face of Houston's Mount Rushmore. But uh, I definitely understand that Hakeem will be probably still number one in everyone's eyes due to the fact that he did help bring this in this city two championships and you know, I'm going to save the rest for later on the show of course but you know just breaking down old versus the new was absolutely the funnest part just seeing everybody's different replies and tweets so I can't wait to discuss that guys let me tell you something right now Cody has worked really hard on revising the you can argue that sports.com which is now going by HoustonSportsPress.com. Go ahead and check that out where we have amazing articles, uh, amazing podcasts, and you can also check out Locked On Texans on the website as well. Again, that is HoustonSportsPress.com. A little bit easier on the tongue. Subscribe, get all the latest updates and news, and you know, definitely check that out. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the better protein bar, the best protein bar. Also, I love them. More than I love the protein bars itself, the better energy boost drinks. With a powder packet, put in some water, go about your day. Uh, you look up and now you're full of energy. Trust me, you don't want to miss out. And also, guys, I just want to give you guys an update on your starting safety, Justin Reed, and that shoulder injury he had suffered throughout the year. Kind of lingered on and, you know, still had an amazing year, 78 tackles, 11 and a half for loss, two interceptions, a formal recovery. Uh, but just it continued to bother him, and I think it did take a little off his game. But he is uh, doing well right now. Bouncing back from surgery, everything is healing up properly. And with everything going on outside in the world, you know, forcing him to kind of practice social distancing, stay away from everybody, really focus on that injury and healing it up. I think Reed is due for a very good season. And listen, he had a good season last year, had a phenomenal rookie year. His, his, D.C. Anthony Weaver, who we talked about Friday, 
praise him, raves about him, loves his game. I think he's due for another great season. Just want him to get as healthy as possible. He also sent the slug out to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, there was a video that went on when Tyreek Hill caught that big pass on him, and he said, well, let's see how it turns out when I'm healthy this year. So I'm super excited to see how that turns up. Well, who or what will be the most exciting on offense to look for this year, not named Deshaun Watson? I think this is very interesting because it'll give you a perspective on the elements this offense will have to use to, I'm not going to say replace anymore. Let's get away from using that word replace, but to complement the offense that you would have possibly had if you would have still had DeAndre Hopkins. Can't wait to discuss this. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty. Not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine. But it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors. Eight chocolate nut flavors. Eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get a little bit healthier. Flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein, 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. So thank you guys for continuing lending your ear because we know you can be anywhere in the world, but you're still here with us listening. When we analyze and really look in depth into this team this year, we know that the first two games are going against the two most explosive offenses in 2019-2020 season. And so that's going to leave us room to discuss the defense in tomorrow's show. But right now, with those offenses that we're going to open up against Kansas City number one week one, we have the Baltimore Ravens at home week two. That is a game that I really plan on being there. But you cannot beat these teams. Of course, we know you have to stop them. But if everything is going to be a mirror or even better of last year, then you know that we have to score points. And looking at this team, how the makeup of the team is set up right now, bring in Brandon Cooks. Kenny Seals is still on the roster. We know what Will Fuller is and what he could possibly do. You also draft a rookie receiver. Brought in Randall Cobb. You re-signed Darren Fields. This offense has a – oh, don't forget David Johnson. I'm sorry. This offense has a makeup of getting everybody involved will really get this car going. And it's, it's, it's kind of like a real car. You know, if, if one thing is lacking in your car, then the car won't operate properly. and You will, you know, have a misfire of some sort. We know Deshaun Watson is the driver of this offense. He is the driver of this car. He has the keys. We know because he will be getting a fat paycheck coming up soon with this extension. But I want to look at what position that I am, you know, optimistically very excited for going into next year that can really help this offense blossom. Carter, we talked about it a little bit in the pregame discussion or what area that we want to discuss 
you know, I wanted to focus on the tight end group. You had an opportunity, and I'm going to let you, you know, discuss it, to discuss football, re-signing back with the Texas with Darren Fells, who had seven touchdowns last year. His connection with Deshaun Watson going into next year as a red zone target, which means six has been put on the board. I, I assume and I expect to be a little bit better. May go down in touchdowns, but may stay around the same number. I think he'll be more effective in the red zone, maybe get more yards or just be utilized better in order to get everybody else open. When we look at this tight end group, there is versatility here. No, we do not have a one stellar trip. Travis Kelsey, uh, Greg Kittle. We don't have a one stellar, but just like the entire offense, this position can really affect the offense positively and hurt defenses in many different ways. Well, John, the way, the way I feel about the tight end position, how many tight ends do the Texans have? Uh, 50 million. A lot. <laughs> a lot. But at the end of the day, we know who's going to be the starting tight end for the Houston Texans. That man is Darren Fells. And you're talking about a guy last year who had a career year. And I don't see near one of those guys, you know, of course, barring injuries, coming in, taking Darren Fells' spot. Now, the position that I am most excited about heading into the 2020 season is the production coming out of the backfield from their running backs. Now, in 2019, the Texans ranked ninth in the league in rushing, averaging 120 yards per game, and that was coming from Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson at the Hams. Now you replace Hyde with David Johnson, and John, I don't know about you, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to catch some heat from this, but I believe that the 2020 season is going to be the year that David Johnson returned to form. Now, first and foremost, let me just say this. Sometimes what, what what sometimes went unnoticed when you talk about David Johnson was the fact that he did produce a pretty solid first half of the year with the Arizona Cardinals last year before his spot got taken away from Keon Drake, who is a younger and be healthier. And in five of the first six weeks of the 2019 season, he had some pretty productive games. I mean, you take a look at the game where the Cardinals fell short. Well, they didn't fall short. They basically got their ass with 27-10 by the Seattle Seahawks. But you could not blame you could not blame David Johnson for that because this is a guy who went out and recorded 99 yards on eight reception and rushed for 40 yards. You also take a look at that season opener in the 27 to 27. Um, tie that they had against the Detroit Lions where he rushed for 46 yards and, re and recorded 55 reception yards. This is the main reason why I feel David Johnson is going to be the guy to look out for and the reason why he's going to have a better year with the Texans. First, a change of scenery is what he needed. No longer will he have the pressure from the Arizona fan base, media, organization to get back to the player he was in 2016 they knew what he could do second he is now playing for an organization where he is no longer the second most or sometimes third most important guy on this offense you take a look at the te Texans offense even without DeAndre Hopkins who's going to come to mind Deshaun Watson Will Fuller Brandon Cooks Kenny Stills, those guys are going to come to mind. Nobody's not thinking of David Johnson when you think of this Texans offense, which means he's going to go under the radar, which means he's going to have more confidence to go out and do his thing. 
And third of all, the Texans always had a good backfield for a majority of their existence, and I do not believe that's going to taper off in 2020. And I believe between Tim Kelly and, and Bill O'Brien, I know they're going to put him in a position to excel. And, of course, his brother, the, the Duke Johnson, you have two solid running backs who can not only give you production coming out of the backfield, but you can line them up and have even more weapons when you're talking about two halfbacks who can go out and catch the ball and be a, 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 a extra receiver down on the field. So th this is why when you say, who are you most excited to see what position that position is the running back. When you say player is David Johnson, 2020 is going to be his year. Yeah, you know what? I think the both both positions that we're analyzing, you know, when we look at David and Duke Johnson, and then now when we look at Darren Fells, Jordan Atkins, potentially Cahill Warren, I'm, I'm still on the radar on 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 the um, what do I want to call it on the edge with this guy. I gave him a lot of flack last year. I mean, I for one, I thought he was a, a, a pick that was made and wasn't necessarily needed in the third round. I thought we could have got him later, undrafted, whatever. And, you know, I honestly thought it was a waste of a pick. Didn't see him play last year uh, because he battled concussions. I get it. I understand. Had a rough rookie year. Bill O'Brien spoke about how excited he is to see this young man play a month ago. Didn't really have too many tabs on him because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but he knows that he's still working out in between Houston and the West Coast. And I, and I still want to see what he can contribute. So we have this offseason, and then we have preseason to see if he if he's even going to make the team in the, you know, the final what what is it? Fifty four man roster now with the boost or the the whatever the case is the final roster. See if he's going to make the team because I believe with Fails and Atkins we're going to be okay. But both position groups that we're looking at the running back and tight end group they are filled with versatile guys that can do a lot. And I think that's probably why we chose you know you chose the running back I chose the tight end uh, group because this offense, if we can agree on this, or listeners at home, this offense will depend on everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing very good. So that means if one, one, if two tight ends is on the field at the same time in one formation, one is going to have to block really good, and one's going to have to try possibly get open with the running backs. One is going to have to run really good, and you know we may utilize you, Duke Johnson or David Johnson, depending on the playbook and the scheme that we're running at the time versus the team. You may have to do a lot more catching. You may have a game where you have eight targets out of the backfield. And that's okay. Whatever you can do that you're good at to help us win. And I think that's okay for the Texans. I do. I think if the Texans really utilize, which I, I'm assuming they will, they made these trades for depth reasons and to be more versatile. This has come out the, the head coach slash GM mouth. Then, hey, we may be all right. Yeah, and we're going to be all right. And John, you know, for the for the past two weeks when we did this crossover, my number one take that I kept telling people was the fact that when you had a guy as talented as DeAndre Hopkins, sometimes that can be a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because you have a guy that's always going to go out on the field and perform at the highest level, but it's a curse because you 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 come you become too dependent on that talent. And, John, you could disagree with me if I'm wrong, but there was times, especially when you take a look at that 2018 season more so than 2019, there was times where the Texans' offense became stagnant because it was always give the ball, find DeAndre Hopkins to bail you out of any situation. Although you don't have that anymore, 
the fact that they were able to, I'm not going to say replace because you cannot replace a talent like Hopkins, but what you can do is restore what he was able to bring on the football field. And like it or not, this is what the Texans were able to do. Now, of course, I say this damn late every day we on the mic. It's all going to come down to health. But if this team can stay healthy, and of course, I mean, they're grown being hopefully they can put their emotions to, to the side for the greater good of the team. I believe that this offense, the way it's constructed right now, is going to be better than what we've seen over the past, let's say, two to three seasons. You know, one thing I will say is just, you know, totally looking at what we're offering on the table. That's what Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, you know, all of the undrafted or, you know, drafted receivers. Looking at the tight end group, looking at the running back group, and then looking at the offensive line, which, you know, they came in at a right behind the tight end group as the most optimistic that I'm looking forward to. We know what Deshaun Watson can do. And again, the, the one of the biggest question marks is what would Tim Kelly, Tim Kelly have in store for this offense? But you know, to get back to my point, it is going to take one of those seasons where everybody understands, I'm going to do this, you're going to do this, and this is how this entire organization, this team, will operate and win games. Right now they have, I saw, I read an article where the Texans are slated to win eight games, go eight and eight this season. And that's believable for me. You know, I, I said nine and seven, I can see eight and eight, I can see 10, 10 and six. But I will say if everybody puts their hard hat on to go to work, do their job, this team could possibly win more games. They, they hey, they start their schedule pretty tough in those first two games. It is that time, ladies and gentlemen, to try. I'm going to say try to come up with the Mount Rushmore's of Houston sports because outside of Hakeem Olajuwon, I just don't know who is going to take the next three spots on that on that mountain. I, I, I truly don't. And, John, this is hard. Like I say, I, I tried to come up with something, but I just feel like it would be disrespectful to a lot of people because that list that people had on Twitter, I did not see nobody say Cynthia Cooper. I didn't see nobody say Simone Biles. And those are two Those are two athletes, I believe, they have a case to be on that mountain. I'm, I'm, I, did I'm sorry. See a, I did see a Cynthia Cooper is underrated tweet. Yes, she is. I, I she, she's very underrated. Um, you're talking about a lady who brought not one, not two, not, two. not three, but four championships to this city. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. JL on Twitter, here is his. And I think this is pretty solid. When I look at Olajuwon, Vigio, JJ Watt, and guess who made that? Simone Biles. Oh. Simone Biles made his list. That that's a good one. That's that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty solid one. I also saw Elijah Warren Campbell, but Dagwell Biggio. Let me this say is what I was saying earlier. The, the difference between the old and the new, that's where is it, it it really I mean we can all agree on Elijah Warren, right? But I think the 
the old school guys, the new school guys, maybe those guys in between have done their research and watched, you know, these Hall of Famers play. But that's where it kind of gets a little difficult and tricky to guess because uh, where do you where do you pick? You know, I, I, I love this conversation we started. But let me say this. I might catch some heat for this. And John, you correct me if I'm wrong. But do you believe that Simone has done enough to be on this mountain? Because to me, even though I say she has a case, I kind of put her in that same category as Jose Altuve and James Harden, where those two guys, they have a case to be on this mountain, but they are still writing their careers. You know, people like Olajuwon, Cynthia Cooper, Biggio, those, those, those athletes have already made their case, point taken, sign still delivered, done. But to me, I feel like if we're going to put Simone there, then you have to put either Harding or Altuve there or both of them because they're well, young, just like Simone. And I, I know it's well, different because she's she's an Olympian athlete and all this other good stuff. I know she has the gold medals, but has she done enough to surpass, let's say, a Biggio or a Cynthia Cooper? Well, I'll say this. Cynthia Cooper, no. You know, how many of those championships Cynthia Cooper brought to Houston? Four. She's Four, she's basically considered right? the Bill Russell of the WNBA. She brought four championships to the city of Houston. Four-time WNBA Finals MVP. Two-time WNBA MVP. Three-time WNBA All-Star. Listen, Cynthia Cooper has more of a case than Simone Biles. What I would say for Simone Biles is when you, you know, you operate and compete in the Olympics, you're playing the best around the world. And I, I guess you can maybe use that at the level she competed in at the time against Cooper, because when the WNBA had kicked off originally, you know, imagine if all of the women players back then were in their younger prime days, instead of, you know, going around the world that they had to over the course of their career before they got to you know, the WNBA, because remember, the WNBA started late. Cynthia Cooper didn't play in the WNBA until 97, right? And so, you know, she was still playing professionally. She started to play professionally in 1986. She didn't play in the WNBA until 97. That's 15 years gone by. Uh, well, I'm sorry, uh, 11 years gone by. But what I'm getting at is I think both of those women have very strong cases. I really do. I would go with Cynthia Cooper because, you know, there's a famous rap line in, in Houston on Four Piece Like Comments. She brought four back to back to back to back to the city of Houston. A four-time WNBA Finals MVP. I mean, those two alone, those accolades alone really push you up there. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think the greatest defensive end we've seen in the last 15 years, J.J. Watt, has a case to be in that five, and that four, rather, I'm sorry. Three-time defensive player MVP, two sacks, two seasons with 20 sacks, what he's done for this organization. I mean, think about it. They probably don't beat the Bengals without J.J. Watt in that 70-yard interception, right? Phenomenal. I think he has a very strong case to be in. If not, he's in there. And then 
this is for the younger generation I'm looking at right now. I think Jose Altuve also has a stronger case than James Harden because he actually brought one to the city and he has the accolades as well. I think, you know, you look at what Altuve has done, you can say whatever you want, Yankee fans, because we know you guys have a long, strong history of cheating. <coughs> Yankees, New York. Altuve deserves a lot of credit to be in there, Mount Rushmore. You want, you want to know what was my favorite Mount, Mount Rushmore list? Who? My man, Danny Segundo. He gave his Mount Rushmore of coaches. Guy Lewis, Rudy T, Bum Phillips, and Phil Garner. And I thought that was very interesting. I, I, I you know, I thought we were sticking the players, but he came out with, I'm sorry, I thought we were sticking the players, but he came out with the coaches, and I was like, that's interesting. Oh, well, I mean, those four, those are the four best coaches in Houston sports history. But back to the Mount Rushmore, I know. A lot of people want to put J.J. Watt on there. And for me personally, I would say what will make this list, one, easier and fair is if you take the top three sports team in Houston and go by their history. Now, I'm not even going to mention Hakeem because everyone knows Hakeem is on there. That's That sign still delivered done. I mean, he did it in – not only did he do it in the NBA, but, I mean, the man even dominated college for U of H. You, you can't get more Houston than that. When you talk about El Tuve, I personally would – it's tough. I would not get mad if, if somebody wanted to put Craig Biggio. I mean, unfortunately, I didn't watch Biggio the way I'm watching El Tuve, but I, I understand how great of a player Biggio was. I mean, you talk about one of the best second basemen of his generation. But when you talk about the Texans, John, you cannot disrespect – and I'm not saying you're doing this, but you cannot disrespect what happened – during the time Houston had the Oilers. And I'm sorry, J.J. Watt is going to fall short of this, of, of the Mount Rushmore, and I'm going to give it to Warren Moon. He won most valuable player. He was the MVP of the league in 1990. And th- this guy doesn't get the respect. I believe he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. If you take a look at look at what he was able to do during his time in Houston, nine-time pro bowler. I already mentioned the, the, the MVP. He was offensive player of the year that same exact season. In 90, it, it, he won MVP in 1990, right? And you know what's funny? The next season in 91 was even better when the man threw for 4,690 yards. How can you forget a guy like Warren Moon? Like, uh, you you always talk about how short J.J. Watt came of winning MVP. This is a guy who did it as the quarterback, a black quarterback at that of the National Football League. And he's a Hall of Famer. And listen, I can't really disagree with that. And that was why I, you know, I brought up the difference between the old and the new era. Because not only are you saying Warren Moon, we can also look at Earl Campbell, one of the best running backs to ever play the game. You know, we, we mentioned uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. We can mention a lot of old players. Because we brought up Cynthia Cooper, who got her start in 1997, and I would consider that to be an older player simply because the WNBA started later on. But she's also in that class and so on and so forth. 
And then I think when we look at the younger players right now, we could be right now we could be just stuck in the fact that we are seeing these guys older in our age and more frequently than what they did, you know, in their time. So I think it's very interesting. But the Mount Rushmore got a lot of interaction, a lot of fun conversation, a little back and forth between listeners and you know fans or just whoever wants to talk about it. I just love to see it. And I'm going to reserve putting my Mount Rushmore out there. I'm going to reserve. Guys, thank you for checking out Locked On Texas, where you can find us on Locked On Texas at Twitter at Locked On Texas, and you can follow me on Twitter at Some Sports Guy as well. It was a good Monday. It was a good Monday, at least for me. I hope it was a good Monday for you guys as well. And we'll be back tomorrow. Cody, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And I am so sad because we just finished watching the last two episodes of The Last Dance. And ladies and gentlemen, there's a difference between the actual goat and your goat. My goat until the day I die will forever be the great Kobe Bryant. But somebody want to give the goat title to Jordan, I wouldn't be mad. One thing I loved about this entire docuseries is that we are seeing how polarized Michael Jordan was. And with that, we are seeing how it takes a toll on everybody around the polarizing figure. You know, we saw we, we, we saw his gambling addiction, which sparked up a lot of the conspiracy theories. We saw the bad teammate, you know, talk that everybody has discussed for years, and that's where Kobe gets it from, or whatever you want to call it. We've seen everything that you can scrutinize Michael Jordan for the Republicans buy shoes to come and everything. But on the court, listen, they didn't make Space Jam for a reason. <laughs> you, you know, they did not make Space Jam for a reason. That's because that man was out of this world when it came to playing basketball. Guys, until tomorrow, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.